Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The C.J. McCollum Show, where every week New Orleans Pelican star C.J. McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA playoffs with insider perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. That's The C.J. McCollum Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Right fast before we get into this, don't forget to get your tickets for The Right Time Live Show with Dominique Foxworth at the Gramercy Theater in New York City. That's Monday, June 5th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Go to universe.com slash Bomani NYC. That's www.universe.com slash Bomani NYC. By the way, I did not realize that Dominique had moved all the way up to just being on the marquee for this one. It ain't even like, yo, it's Foxborough Friday. I, I hope they cutting them a check for that. But anyway... Uh, it is that time of week where we have a guest join us. Surprisingly, a first-time guest. Congratulate this man. It only took him a few decades, but he got that beard to connect. Jay Adonde, <laughs> what's going on, dog? Thanks, Bo. I'm proud of my beard, gray hairs and all, because it's the one thing I'm better at in my 50s than I was in my 20s and 30s. That beard wasn't working back then. I gave it a shot over winter break, and lo and behold, it came in gloriously <laughs> you know that's the only, and the only reason i joke with you about this is because you had always said i think you said you gave it to 30 and once 30 came around and you realized that it wasn't gonna happen you just uh. said fine this ain't gonna be it and so you had been kicking that untrustworthy look for a while but we came to know you and understand you and realize no facial hair doesn't mean the same thing for all people you know what i'm saying then i looked up on tv yesterday and i was like jay don't come out here with it <laughs> He got a beard and it's fully functional. <laughs> <laughs> but the best part is you all with David Dennis. So I had sent the text to the two of you to say y'all was up here looking like Ken, right? And then David acknowledged <laughs> he is a Kate make the beard work cat. So maybe he just well, needed a little while. Hold out hope, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't abandon hope when it comes to the beard, fellas. Like, you know, up top. Yeah, that, that that the glory days are long gone up top, but but on the beard we're making it happen like never before. Yeah, like up top, you said I think you were getting the invasion. I, from I got the, the rear. Yeah, right. you, you, oh yeah, the, and the I rear would, attack. I, yeah, me, it was coming at me head on, like like they, they just charged straight at me and dared me to do something about it. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, on TV you never see the back of my head, right? So I yes. could have gotten away with it, but. <laughs> You know what actually got me? I, I was. We'll talk about the Spurs later. I'm covering the Spurs series in the finals, and uh, we were sitting up in the media area, and Brent Barry was sitting behind me, and he took a picture, you know, looking down on me, and he said, "They ain't got the Manu Ginobili going." <laughs> <laughs> you had the yarmulke. Like, yeah. So I said, "Oh man, yeah that that was the beginning of the end." And so what I was doing for a long time, man, was was I was just go to the barber like literally once a week, get a cut every four or five days, and then. Um, you know, ultimately, I said, all right, it's time to come all the way home and yeah. uh, do it myself at the crib. Yeah, like Chris Paul got Chris Paul right now rocking with the yarmulke and he's doing the uh, Kobe Bryant 
like where you apparently got a relationship with the people at Andes or Wall or one of them companies where you got <laughs> you order a a guard or a blade that's to a particular number. You know what I'm saying? Like like like, 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 like I just 20th? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he hitting fractions that nobody had ever thought about just to just to maintain the illusion. And there was still some hair going on. Kevin Durant's the one that was getting away with the rear flank invasion for the longest because he's seven feet tall. And the big one, he just doesn't care. And the benefit of that is that you can't clown somebody if they don't care. No. What you going to tell them that he hasn't already come to peace with? (laughs) No, he doesn't care at all. He doesn't care in any capacity. Like, oddly, he became the new Rasheed Wallace. Where at least, like, she would get the fresh cut and then he wouldn't do nothing like that for like three and a half, four months. And you know she I mean? had the, the, the random gray spots, right? Yes. Like, that, that was kind of weird with, with Sheed, too. And, and But what were you going to say to him? Yeah. Well, I mean, if <laughs> who Philly was going to step to Sheed and clown him well, on his hairdo? No, nah, but it was the brand. In Philly, they called him Dirty Rosh. Like, when I got to college, I didn't, like, one thing I didn't realize until I got to college is like these cities like Philly, where apparently, everybody knows each other right like like it's one thing when you find out that all the black people in portland know each other it's 12 of them okay they must all go to the same church but philly the city with like millions of people and i just had no idea that everybody from philly if they didn't know each other they just talked like they did and so i said something about rasheed wallace is 97 he's like oh dirty rosh i'm like wow you just got a local neighborhood nickname i didn't realize you had a city (laughs) nickname like this where everybody knew you that's how they got down he made that the brand I believe it. So I've gone out in Philly literally a handful of times in my life. And yet, one of those times, I ran into Rasheed Wallace at the bar. (laughs) He bought me a drink. That's one of the highlights of my life. I can say Rasheed Wallace bought me a drink. But it it goes to show what you're talking about, Bomani, that that Philly black community is so tight because I don't know the spots to go in Philly. I don't hang in Philly a lot. And yet, I can say I've hung out with Rasheed Wallace in Philly. Yeah, I had a similar Rasheed Wallace experience. It wasn't in Philly, but that's a discussion for a different day. Uh, since we got here on Philly, and guys, we're going to talk about Lakers Nuggets, and we're going to talk about the lottery. But since we're here with Philly, I want to run my Doc Rivers thought by you and hear what you think about this, okay? The argument for firing Doc Rivers was there, right? They hired him to get the team past the second round. He did not get them past the second round. However, I would like to make the point that they hired a dude who at his last job did not get past the second round to get a roster that looks like a <laughs> second round roster past the second round. But, and I'm asking, how come we not asking Daryl Morey how in three years you still got a roster that's a second round roster? Well, in part because you, one of your mainstays is a guy who's known for coming up short in the big games, in the elimination games, right? And that's James Harden. And in part because your other mainstay is a guy who's known for missing playoff games with injury and, and always wearing down at this time of the year. So th- there are just and so coming many up fun- short and coming up short. Right. But there are just so many fundamental flaws. Also, another reason it's appropriate to talk about Doc Rivers and the songs we're talking about hair. How Doc had that hairline with no hair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was a pretty remarkable accomplishment, too. He had a strong hairline going. And yet he was bald. I don't. I don't know how that works. I, that's that's what I should do. That should be my inspiration. Because again, I could pull off the hairline, and you couldn't clown me on it. I just can't get the rest of it all intact. But um, the, it, there's a larger thing just about all these coaches getting fired um, despite strong regular season records, despite not flaming out always in the first round of the playoffs necessarily. I mean, one thing Doc can do is he can get you to the second round of the playoffs. 
he's shown that consistently. Um, I, I just, you know, spinning ahead a little bit to, to the Denver Lakers series, the fact that the Nuggets haven't abandoned Mike Malone when he's come up short in the playoffs before. And I think they're reaping the benefits. There's something to be said about having a system, about having a coach that you trust and that you believe in. And then that enables you to bring in the complementary pieces that fit that coach's system. You know, you're never going to have all these, all the necessary components if you don't have a system in place with a coaching staff in place. Let's say, for me, Denver's an interesting case because I just think they looked up and honestly said to themselves, yeah, this is about as good as we were, right? Like the idea that you come up short at a place means that you come in below what is a reasonable expectation. Like that's the way that I look at it. And with Malone, there had never been that point where they looked at it and they were like, oh gosh, I don't know how this was going to work out, right? Then of course, gradually they got like the most unlikely superstar that we could think (laughs) of. Like the guy that nobody thought this sort of thing would happen. And then this was the year I think it was going to be tight for him. In the same way it was going to be tight for Jokic, where you say the last two years, okay, you didn't have guys around you. Well, now right. everybody's back. What you going to do? And they're like, well, it looks like we're going to win the West, right? <laughs> but like, I don't think it was unreasonable to fire Bootenholzer because I just didn't think he was necessarily that good at his job. Um, he and Doc both got done in by the we don't make adjustments program. Like, we just keep on doing the same thing. Right. Monty Williams, I think the thing that people forget is this is also a people business. And I think the Phoenix just has people catastrophe written all over them. And he is a nice guy, but nice is a very overrated quality. You know, that's yeah. that's, that's something I've said for a long time. <laughs> There's some things there, Bo, we we might have to play the music if yes. I were to discuss yes. What, yes. I, what I've been hearing. Yeah. Do you want to, or should, I mean, should we just? We'll, we'll, right, you're looking at me here on the Zoom, man, and we'll just let it. We'll let yeah. our eyes. Oh yeah, no, I just rep- oh baby, we on YouTube also right now. <laughs> I've heard what you've heard, or we've heard very similar things. They got a lot that's going on down there. Who's the other one that just got fired? I felt like I didn't. That seemed like a like Nick, like Nick, wow. Nick Nurse. Yeah, or, with Nick Nurse. Right. None of us thought Nick Nurse could coach two rounds before they won that championship. Like, you remember when Nick Nurse and Brett Brown were having a contest to see who could lose a playoff series? <laughs> and and it goes back to that moment. I, I think I thought about these moments, you know, even more so than the bounce of the ping pong balls in the lottery. These moments, the bounce of the ball on the rim that Kawhi Leonard shot, which I love the way the whole arena just went silent. You can hear on the broadcast, doom, 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 before it dropped through and then mayhem ensued. But – if that shot doesn't go in, if we go to overtime and Philly wins, how many lives and careers does that affect? Uh, if And then the other one I keep coming back to is the Kevin Durant foot on the line. And yep. if he makes that, if that's a three-pointer and they win that series, okay, Giannis probably still doesn't have a ring. Maybe the Suns beat the Nets in the championship and Chris Paul has a ring and, and Monty has immunity for a little bit longer at least. Maybe Kevin Durant never cut even all these things, you know, maybe maybe we still have maybe the Nets go on to win and we've got a budding dynasty in New York with KD and Kyrie and James Harden. Yeah. Right. And and then he's not here. Like all these things that go back to a, a few uh, inch, maybe of Kevin Durant's foot being on that line. Yeah. But it's like, but I, I wish I wish that people in talking about coaches. I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. OK. This is the way for me to put it. Somebody at Apple gets fired every day, right? Apple is the number one company or Amazon or all these places. And they move all this stuff and da-da-da and everything else. 
But this idea that just because you won a lot of games in the regular season or you won a championship insert time here means that you're entitled to a job. Nah, baby, that's not how this works. And maybe I view this a little differently because I operate in the space of talent, right? What you did before has but so much bearing on what we're talking about or something that looks good right now ain't necessarily enough for where you want to go. And so, again, with the Sixers, my thing with them is I think that Daryl Morey has never been called to account for any of the shortcomings that he has had as the person who builds these teams because he calls our colleagues, particularly the dorks, because the dorks love him. (laughs) And then the dorks just carry out this idea that he's such a genius and we don't have actual receipts on the genius. The, the, The real receipt we have on the Morey genius is he saw something in James Harden that the rest of us honestly did not. Where even if we thought he could be an all-star, he's the one that saw an MVP, right? But past that, what have you done in Philadelphia for which you deserve any credit? As much as they killed Colangelo for the things he did while he was there, guess what? Maury in the same place as they were when they had Colangelo. With Doc, you win these regular season games, but I get it. We got to... Unless Joel Embiid is going to become a different person, we got to find the guy that can try to get what you need out of him. So if you're not the dude, we're going to have to find it. Nick Nurse, you won a championship. That was real cool. I don't know what that got to do with right now, but you're going to have to go on about your business too. I'm okay with all of these guys getting moved out. I just want some level of sincerity about people doing what Denver did. Look at your roster and be honest with yourself about what this collection of people is capable of. And the Sixers, you're betting on James Harden in game sevens. And that's the funniest thing to me about Maury. Maury's all circuits <laughs> and numbers and algorithms. And the one place where he has a soft spot is James Harden. And it is going to be his undoing in this job. Well, also, when you play the data rule, and and he won more than he lost. Daryl Maury has succeeded more than he has failed, right? Doing it his way with the data. Right. He hasn't ascended to the ultimate mountaintop, but he's been more successful than he has failed. But the biggest problem with data is that what's the enemy of data and statistics? The small sample size. Right. What is a playoff game or even a playoff series? It is a small sample size. And you're not factoring in the pressure and the nerves. So, yes, if you shoot, you know, 44 percent from three points as a team, during the course of the season, okay, then it's reasonable to assume that if we take a lot of three-pointers, we're going to make almost half of them. But that doesn't factor in a game seven. Them shots are not the same as Tuesday in February in Charlotte, right? <laughs> Going back to Rasheed Wallace, even Rasheed Wallace has talked about game seven and the difference and the difference in NBA Finals game seven. <laughs> I, I can never quote this because I have to say it in audio. I, asked, I said, Rasheed, one time, is it different? Game seven of a finals when they're getting ready to play Lakers and game seven of of even another series. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, the difference, like, game seven of finals, it's like, Pachoo! that's what he said. The pressure in your heart rate goes, Pachoo! that's a little quote. So if Rasheed Wallace can acknowledge that game sevens can be different, then we all should recognize that game sevens are different. So therefore, the numbers go out the window. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. 
Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And one more thing on the coaching and, and Denver. It did make me wonder this morning, though, Bo. Is Mike Malone coaching for his job in this series? Given the climate, given that I think Denver recognized what they were all those years, and no, they weren't necessarily supposed to be going to the conference finals or the finals. This time, you're the number one seed. You're supposed to go to the finals. Given the climate that we've seen all these coaches get axed, could Mike Malone, is is that conceivable? I, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying I, there's any intel out there. But what, what do you think? I mean, I think it's conceivable, but the reason I don't think he's coaching for his job, and I think this one's very, very important. You can't get away with firing a winning coach as long as his players still believe and his players still believe in him, right? Like what has been amazing to me about Denver and what made the second half of game one so weird was that was the first time it was just like, yo, focus, dudes. The focus don't seem to be there because they've been more locked in than anybody else. So like if you go in and they lose this one and you go tell Jokic, hey, we getting Malone out of here, I bet you not, right? You go in and with the Sixers, Doc don't Doc struggles with the people stuff. Like we think of him as the guy, as the players coach and all this because of what happened in Boston. Man, that Clippers team was always ready to fight each other and always sick of him. And I would imagine it's a very similar situation in Philadelphia because of the way that he communicates with people. Monty Williams, I think those dudes had gotten tired of the way he gets down. Like that's when you can move that dude out of there. Them dudes look. Mike Malone's the one dude that could get through the Boogie Cousins. Let us never forget. And that's why I don't think they could get away with that. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Going back to Doc with the Clippers. Uh, so I was working game six when they had that collapse against the Rockets, right? They had the chance to clinch and advance mm-hmm. to the to the conference finals for the first time. They're up double digits the whole way. Uh, and so when it starts going in the start of the fourth quarter, uh, I'm, I'm standing behind the, the, the huddle. And he's looking and he looks around. And the guys had almost checked out and it's like it was just happening to them and like they were powerless to do anything. And I'll never forget, he looks around and he goes, God, what the f-? <laughs> you know? And he was just baffled. He understood the stakes. He'd been there before and they just did not seem to be willing to meet the moment. And the, the crazy thing about that game, I'll, I'll never forget this because with five minutes left, it was still a double digit Clipper lead. And didn't they take and- James Harden out? Yeah, Harden was out. Dwight Howard had been out. Like they, they did. I mean, Harden's on the bench with Kevin McHale. And I'm talking to our producers. We're like, who do we want if the Clippers win? Blake Griffin or Chris Paul for the encore interview? 
And I'm like, Chris Paul, he's been waiting for this longer. You know, this is a bigger moment for Chris Paul. Let's do Chris Paul. And the next thing I know, we were talking to Josh Smith. <laughs> that was right. He was the leader of the comeback. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I didn't have this coming. But the thing is, like, halfway through the fourth quarter, we were still operating on the presumption. And then not only did the, did the Rockets come back, they won by, like, double digits themselves. They won going away. It was stunning. And then, of course, they were going to win game seven going back home. But I, I just – I didn't necessarily blame Doc for that because he seemed to want it more than the players. Yeah, it, it was, I, I put that all on the players. And that was a weird year, too, where the Clippers starting five was the best lineup in the NBA throughout the regular season. And they didn't, I don't even think they had a number six. Like, they didn't have a single player after well, that. Didn't they have Jamal Crawford? Maybe. But they were, I mean, their bench was so bad okay. on that team. But the thing is with Doc, and this is, I think, with the, kind of the undoing on this is, there's always a story for each individual observation in this sample on like these blow leads in the playoffs. They just keep happening all the time. It just like how it keep happening to you. How you the man with the worst luck in the world, right? It just keeps trickling down every time with him. And so with Malone, I feel like if they come out here and had like a 3-1 lead and then blew it, like, oh, okay, then maybe we'll be talking about something. But where I give Malone all this credit, and I'm curious how you see this, because you don't live out west no more, but you only one time zone away from the mountain. I'm watching broadcasts from real live professionals, right? Even folks that work here, and they talking about Jokic like ain't nobody ever seen him play basketball. I mean, I'm assuming they have seen him play basketball, but they can't even really give no in-depth analysis to the audience because I really think that Jokic for people is a figment of the sports page. And now they're getting a chance to see, oh, no, buddy, he catching wreck. It's just so improbable. Is that the right word to describe him when you watch him? I was thinking when he runs down the court, it looks like two guys trying to move a couch out of an apartment down the stairs and like the cushions are falling off. or something. It's just so discombobulated the way it happens. And yet he was streaking down the court like he was a good three or four seconds ahead of Anthony Davis, who you know who has phenomenal athletic talent. But the strategy was like, we're going to get down the court in game one ahead of Anthony Davis so he can't set up shop and block our shots by the rim. And Jokic was just grabbing that ball and let's go. And it was reminiscent of Matt. You know, we compared to Bill Walton. But last night, it reminded me of the guy I grew up watching, the guy who made me fall in love with the game. And that was Magic Johnson. Get the rebound and go ahead of everyone. And, and if Anthony Davis and LeBron are behind us, guess what? Those two great defensive players can't do nothing to stop us. And the fascinating adjustment that, A, you knew he was going to get tired because he would, every time out, he was walking the bench like, oof. So, <laughs> you know, the, the, the pace got up to them. And then the adjustment that Darvin Hand made of, of putting Rui Hachimura on Jokic and allowing Anthony Davis then to roam again. Um, so we, t we, we talk about coaches, Darvin Hand. I feel like is really coming into his own. I mean, he just beat Steve Kerr, who's the most accomplished coach of this generation, post Popovich. Um, and he he really made the adjustments in this game. And you almost feel like he's kind of got the advantage going into game two. It's weird. The, the, the Nuggets won, but you feel like the second half really put the Lakers into this series. And uh, Hachimura was a plus 10 in yeah. the game. Um so, you know, the, the, he found some. Darvin Ham definitely found something here in game one. So now 
it's, it's, it's up to Mike Malone. Now we'll see what he's got, right? How are you going to counter the counter? And this just developed into a fascinating tactical matchup in this series, which was good enough to begin with. But now I think we do have two good coaches who are going to be matching wits with each other. Well, I think the Achimura thing on defense is going to be interesting because what Rui showed us was he can guard tired Jokic, right? Like if you try the Achimura guard Jokic program with um, 11.05 left in the second quarter, right? right. Does this go the same way? Because he's giving away a lot of inches and a lot of weight. Like he's, he is just physically, we're asking for a lot out of him to make that move. This is the question for me. Is D'Angelo Russell unplayable? Because you talk about Ajimura putting up a plus 10 in that game. D'Angelo Russell played 26 minutes at a minus 25. woo <laughs> A minus 25. He well, might be unplayable. because So when he's out there with, say, Austin Reeves, you put Austin Reeves, I guess, on Murray and then try to hide Russell on KCP or somewhere else. But you have to hide him in such a way that I just think is completely and totally unsustainable. My thing for Denver is, even if that Jokic-Murray two-man game is killing, hey, man, we got to find a way to get Michael Porter 17, 18 shots. Yes. Every night, because their their superpower is that Aaron Gordon is their fourth best player and Michael Porter is their third best player. And I don't think anybody else in the league can say something like that. Absolutely. I mean, that's why those guys are, are the keys to the series. And uh, well, also, we got to get Michael Porter on the air more. Did you see him in the in the interview on NBA Countdown? They, they mm. talked to him live. He was out on the court. And I realized I don't think I've ever really heard him talk, at least that extensively. And he was great. He was great. I'm like, I want to see more of this guy. Stick to sports. One, Stick to sports. One, Stick to sports. Yes, Stick yes. To sports. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't need to hear his thoughts on everything, but <laughs> I want to hear him talk basketball for sure. Um, but he, he – and I, I feel the same for Jokic. You know, I feel like we're seeing Jokic's personality come – that the moment he had with Isbia, the game after their little kerfuffle when he flipped the ball to him coming off of warm-ups and then they hug. You know, you see he's a playful guy. He's had a couple of good one-liners that he got off during the Sun Series too during his media availability. The one thing I'm hoping is that not only, as you mentioned earlier, we're getting to see just how good this guy is, you know, for for even you're right. Some of our, our commentators have failed us in adequately describing what makes him so great. Uh, but now people can see for themselves. But I think they can also see who who he is. And uh, they're lucky that we have the Lakers or it would have been the Warriors to share the stage with them. That'll draw people who weren't really trying to tune in to watch the Denver Nuggets and Jokic. He's going to get exposed to people. And I mean, exposed in the right way, in a good way. Um, we're going to get to find out about him. And I think this is so great for the league because he doesn't really care. It's not great for him. I don't think he cares. But we should see, we deserve to see who this guy is. Let me tell you, I talk a lot about just generally, like, I've been trying to drag people onto this Jokic program, right? Like, people really <laughs> You've been on it for a, a good couple of years, Bo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like I was an early adopter. When, he, when Denver showed up in the bubble and it was Slim Jokic and they were out there with the five-man lineup where Jokic might have been the smallest dude, <laughs> or it was like Aaron Gordon, Jokic, Porter, Bowl, Bowl, and then they would, like, trot out another dude. And I'm like, are you guys seeing what's happened here? It's like Magic and Bird, except he's, like, 280, 290. So I went to the to the wiki page because I'm just trying to figure out like how it goes the way it did. And then I was like, yo, we might get Jokic in the Olympics next year. I was like, oh, how has he performed in the Olympics? Dude, did you know that Serbia won the silver in 2016? 
really? <laughs> that, dude, this is what I'm saying. Like, we've How been so happen? dedicated to sleeping on this dude that he led them to the silver medal in Rio, and we didn't even get around to talk about that. Let me go find this part in the wiki entry where I was like, yo, okay, I feel like we're really out here wilding. Okay, here we go. He represented Serbia at the 2016 FIBA World Olympic Qualifying Tournament in Belgrade, where he earned tournament MVP honors while averaging 17.8 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 2.8 per assist a game. This is when I want to say he is 20 or 21 years old. Mm. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> Serbia, they go have him and some collection of Bogdanovic's, and they go be out here... <laughs> doing damage doing silver damage silver medals wow we I, I don't mean, talk about this dude and it's funny because you know the Olympics have time that's we've given Manu Ginobili a lot of shine from the Olympics right we, we've given Rudy Fernandez remember he went off yes. against the uh, Ricky against Rubio USA. yeah Ricky Rubio all these guys right we've given him shine in the Olympics I'm stunned I I didn't even know he played in the 2016 Olympics. <laughs> Both, so you mentioned that. That's so, what I'm right, saying. We, we've done him an incredible disservice. And another reason for me to stand watching him last night made me realize, and this goes back to something uh, a couple of weeks ago, Magic Johnson posted uh, that his high school coach had died. And he said, you know, he gave me the, um, you know, the freedom and the license to be a point guard when I was six, eight, six, nine in high school, you know, and he really led me and and I was thinking that's this guy doesn't get his credit for revolutionizing the game right and and we forget just how unusual it was for Magic to to be a point guard at 6'9 and the legacy runs all the way through LeBron you don't see LeBron playing the way he does and having his career play the way it does without Magic establishing that template Penny Hardaway Jalen Rose all these players and watching Jokic last night I realized he's a part of that lineage too Right. I'm not sure he feels like he can grab rebounds and push the ball up court himself if we didn't have Magic Johnson and if we didn't have Magic's high school coach. So I've, I've been really trying to, you know, reestablish Magic as as Steph Curry has threatened to surpass him as the all time starting point guard. No, he has mythical not. He ain't, he ain't I, some people are. He I, ain't threatened to do anybody who says ready he has. To, right. Yeah. Yeah. They need to chill. Right. Exactly. And. and Full credit to Steph, and I, I love what Steph has done. And, yes, he has transformed the game. But let's not act like Magic didn't transform the game, too, in a way that we are still seeing in a way that we saw last night in LeBron versus Jokic. Yo, here's an interesting uh, where Magic comes up in this conversation with Jokic. Because you're right, there's the big, you know, being that size and being the guy to push the break, everything else. To me, the most underrated part, of the Magic Johnson career is after Magic had to take four and a half years off from having HIV in the 90s. You youngsters don't understand. We didn't think Magic was going to live to be on the dream team. All right? Magic came back five years later and standing at the high post, just standing at the high post, put up 14.6 points, 5.7 rebounds, and 6.9 assists a game after not playing for four years. Yeah, I I, I tend not to celebrate the return, though, because it ended with him on the bench losing in the first round in Houston. <laughs> so I, I kind of treat the magic return 
kind of like the Jordan Wizards years. They, they were remarkable in their own right. You know, the fact that Mike played 82 games and averaged 20 points a game at age 40 was remarkable. But, like, let, let's let's preserve yeah. the other, the other elements the, of tech. Let's remember the, the Showtime era instead. Yeah, it, nah, man. Here's the, I didn't think we need to talk about this more because here's the difference. The difference is you really had to do a lot of for a man his age when talking about Jordan with the Wizards. Like, kind of similar to what we're dealing with with LeBron, who, by the way, was excellent in game one. But there's still a lot of, wow, look what he's doing at 38. Yo, Magic was, like, those are good numbers just because. Like, you can win six man of the year coming off the bench and doing what he was doing. No matter who you were, dead left shrimp, people would have been pretty happy yep. if he was out here putting up those numbers. Like, that's just how good he was. And now Jokic has taken that very similar approach to basketball and a very similar physique <laughs> all the way to and these heights. So another thing about Magic, you know, we talk about the HIV and the, the premature retirement. The fact that his career was limited, you know, so again, if, if we don't really count that the return as mm -hmm. as magic, you know, and, and certainly that's not what made magic the Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer based on that part. Right. But it's only, I think, 12 seasons drafted in 79 and he retires in 91 with HIV. Um, and. You know, the fact that like, okay, Steph Curry, LeBron, LeBron playing as long as he did. Curry, again, if we're if we're gonna even pretend that he's challenging magic, like his career is so much longer. Um, you know, Bird and Magic really only got a decade plus a little bit more. And that was they did all the work, it was condensed. Um, Bird because his his body broke down and and magic because he had HIV. And so it makes it really even more remarkable, but it's it's more time. And then it, this might be a good segue into uh, Victor Wembanyama. Uh, John Hollinger pointed out that no one that size, like over seven three, has ever played a thousand games in the NBA. You know, like the 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 body. You know, Yao played less than five hundred games. You know, uh, Victor is interesting because he's so light, um, but he does need to bulk up. I mean, he's just going to get you know shoved into the third row if he doesn't bulk up. But there's a real risk when you're carrying additional weight on a frame that long. Um, but it made me think, like, okay, uh, Jordan only played 930 games for the Bulls. You know, Jordan didn't play a thousand games for the Bulls for a variety of reasons, but um, that was plenty. So if you get Wembanyama, Wembanyama, and he only plays 900 or so games, that's enough time to make it work, right? Yo, he doesn't have to be Tim Duncan here. No, I'll take what you can get, man. Like, that's my thing with Zion. And I wish he would, you know, meet us in the middle on trying to get as many of it as we can. But, like, I think you get to take what you can get. Like, with that dude, when I saw that play, where that dude did that step-back three-pointer, he missed it, landed on one foot, immediately went forward, took one step, and tip-dunked it without really getting off the ground. I was like, oh, man, what's going on? By the way... I have officially, I tried to look this up to make it more French, but we just need to call, I've been calling him Big Vic. I'm not with this Wimby thing, right? Like, I just feel like that's the white folks. That's their shortcut. You know, whenever they can't come up with no nickname, go look at hockey. Everybody right. just something with a Y at the end, right? Like, nah, baby, we can do better than that. We ain't gonna, you know, we, we can do better. Anyway, if he showed up at the court and they were picking teams and somebody saw him, you know what they would say? All right, Slim, come on over here. He's Slim. Like, we just need to bring this down to a level that we all can understand and relate to. So, 
Slim, I looked up what Slim was in French, and it's not nearly as charming. I was hoping it would be S-L-I-M-M-E, right? <laughs> and so that is that I think I am going to refer to him as Le Slim. Le Slim. Slim. <laughs> Slim. Le Slim they, sounds good. Yeah, Slim, Slim gonna be a boss. I ain't never seen nothing like, like no one, it is rare when people are on the, hey, I've never seen anything like this before, but you're actually like, no, I don't have a point of comparison. Like, this is super evolutionary Ralph Sampson, basically. And, and Ralph, we, we've seen, was ahead of his time, right? You know, when Ralph Sampson came along, he, he did some similar things. He was similar to this, but everybody else, him, get your ass in the post. You're seven four. What are you doing out there? Go down to the little post. And he was like, but I don't want to. And they're like, tough. Tall man. Don't be shooting Tall man. Right, right. Tall man. <laughs> and so if he come along today, they'd be like, yeah, shoot as many three-pointers as you want. But you're right, Bo. If he's going to shoot a three and tip dunk his own missed three, then he should come down and shoot a three-pointer every time down <laughs> the court. Because the worst outcome is you're going to score two points, you know? 40, well, actually, he doesn't shoot the three very well. That's that's one of the weaknesses. Like he's like a thirty percent three point shooter, so he can work on that. But you know what? Even if you shoot thirty percent on your threes, if you're going to tip dunk it when you miss, then take all the threes that you want. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? A third of the time you're going to get three points. The rest of the time you're just going to score two points. You're going to win hundred and ninety to hundred every game. Two threes every time down the court. Yo, you know who I feel bad for with Slim showing up? My man Chet. Like we didn't even get Chet didn't even get a chance to road test this big skinniest man in the NBA, but having this sort of game. Like Chet was supposed to be the we ain't never seen nothing like this. And then they went over to France and Slim came down and was like, oh, what a cute version of me. But with Chet, it's that he, you know, from what we saw of him in those few summer appearances, he blocked shots everywhere like he has a chance to be the defensive version of something that we've never seen before because like i want to watch this guy block shots i've never felt that way about anyone not manu bowl not anyone i want to see this guy block shots when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Speaking of tall men, I want to tell you the story, Bo. So I covered the, the Bullets. They were still the Washington Bullets when they had George Muros on, seven foot seven. So for younger viewers out there and listeners, uh, he was basically Boban before Boban. You know, had a fun personality, got some commercials. Uh, but he had a movie. Him. Had a movie. Yeah, hold on. Not just a movie. A movie right. with Billy Crystal. Exactly. Billy Crystal made a movie with him. So like as many commercials as Boban has been in, he ain't had a movie. But Bo, did I ever tell you about the time that George Muroson got me on the D's nuts? Yes. <laughs> I'll tell it for our audience. So I, uh, I'm in the, we're in the locker room in Cleveland, and Muroson says to me, hey, uh, did you talk to, uh, what's his name? And I said, who? He says, D's nuts. <laughs> like, oh. Yo. <laughs> who taught you this? And, who and, taught and, you this, man? I'm looking around, Jawan Howard, was this you? Tracy Murray, was this you? <laughs> And the thing with Mirsan was, this is a different era of the NBA. Cats weren't nearly as prepared. So Mirsan was a second-round pick. He's from Romania. And he happened to show up for the draft. And they do the interview with him. And I think it was Sager. And somebody's like, 
So do you know any English? And he hits, I love this game, which was the slogan of the NBA at the time. And so he starts playing, but this is the early, mid-90s. So if you think of that era of hip-hop fashion, and Mirsan got all the way into it. He had like the pause the new stocking caps on and like the big, <laughs> huge, loud party shirts and everything else. Like he leaned all the way in on being an NBA player. And he made he was most improved player. Like he was yeah. actually a good he was, player. He was legit. He wasn't a freak show. He was a legit player. But again, that size, he just couldn't stay on the court because it was asking too much for that his lower extremities. To, to carry that frame around with that. And he was a big, you know, he wasn't a skinny 7'7". Yeah. Seven, seven. He was a pretty big, stocky 7'7", seven, seven, more like a Yao Ming than, than a Manu Bowl. So it, 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 he was he was fun. He was a great personality. He was a good player, you know, um, but he just, he, he couldn't stay on the court. He couldn't have a viable career. So that that's kind of the worst case scenario for Wembanyana, right? But again, he, he is he's so much thinner um, I, I, one of those stories about him talked about how they're just, they got this whole program about his feet to yes. make sure that his feet stay okay. So, you know, I, I don't think he's going to go the way of, of some of these other big men. Um, I can't wait. You, uh, you mentioned Zion, you know, the, the one thing, and I think he's close to a sure thing. I, I think we're due for someone to deliver the way that LeBron delivered on the hype. But we're watching a lottery show last night and we're, we're just going to, act like we didn't just do this for Zion Williamson <laughs> and, and it really hasn't delivered so far. Um, you know, it's not time I mean, to write them off yet, but like, let's not act like this hasn't happened before. Like we haven't right. had hyped up guys before. Um, and only LeBron has really delivered. Right. Well, especially when like physically we don't know what's going to happen. Cause it's not uh, to be fair, LeBron, you could put him there as like number one overall pick and you can say that. But Kevin Durant was hyped very, very similarly. It just happened to Greg Oden was also there and Kevin Durant did deliver. Anthony Davis was a different kind of hype, but I think he delivered as... Anthony Davis was our realization that the game had changed and just getting a guy like that did not automatically win. You were going to mean you were going to win 50 games, which is a big NBA change that I don't think people know. But I want to tell you this about the Spurs and this gets lost, you know. So they've been sorry these last few years. So they've been like more toward the lottery and, you know, having to play a slightly different game. So these last three years, they've taken Devin Vassell with the 11th pick, Josh Primo with the 12th pick. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that that pick didn't work out. Um, <laughs> and then Jeremy, I don't even know how you say his name. Soshan, Soshan, I don't know who that is, is who they took this go around. Do you know who their four lottery picks were before that? In the history of the Spurs, Duncan yes. Robinson. Yes. Ooh. Was Sean Elliott a lottery pick? Yes. Okay. Duncan Robinson, Elliott. Name name an eighty spur that was good, and you'll get the answer. Well, there's pre Cadillac and uh, Johnny Moore. No, there's only one. There's only one. He had a quadruple double. Oh wait, eighty spur. I said Robinson already, right? You said Robinson. Robertson, however, oh, not say Al Robertson. Robertson. Yeah, well, like he, they, he, they, they basically that gets to the, the e kind of like yeah, yeah, I forgot <laughs> about another that. E. yeah, 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 yeah. But we, we 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 talk about basketball right now. But the Spurs <laughs> basically have missed the playoffs four times, and the four times they missed the playoffs, they came out of with Albert Robertson, David Robinson, Sean Elliott, and Tim Duncan. Like when they get one of those picks, they get one of those picks. Oh, and then so they glad got you slim. brought this up because it's another reason 
to piss on the grave of the process. Because not only do you have to hope to win the lottery, you kind of have to win the lottery lottery, right? Which is what the Spurs have done. It's not enough to get the number one pick. You need to get the number one pick in which there's a true number one pick, a franchise-altering player, right? And that doesn't happen very often. So to have a strategy of like, oh, we're just going to lose a lot and try to get the number one pick, that's not enough. Uh, the Spurs have won it. The, the, the corollary to the Spurs is that you, who – do you know who had the number one pick? You probably do, but I'll throw it out there for the audience. Who had the number one pick in the years after the Spurs got uh, – Tim Duncan and David Robinson. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> the Los Angeles Clippers. And they got Danny Manning, who could have been okay. Two-time All-Star, but he got injured and never really fulfilled his potential. And they got Michael Oluwakandi. Yes. So you flip, just flip th- that year, those two years, Duncan and Oluwakandi. And if the Clippers get Duncan and if the Spurs... Who knows? They probably would have had the foresight not to draft the Michael O'Connor. Henry yeah. Bibby was in that draft. Or Mike Bibby was in that yes. draft, who was. I mean, so would Derek and Paul Pierce. Like, that was the, that was the draft where you just needed to move Ooh. down a little bit. <laughs> so, um, I, I was saying the Clippers should have drafted Bibby, who was okay, you know, who, who, yeah. who got the, the Kings to a, to a uh, conference finals. Um, better than Olo Candy. But imagine if you flip that, you know, and again, like, I, I'm I'm more fascinated by that by the the Kevin Durant those moments more than the the lottery bounces. But it's just fascinating to think about the alternate NBA where the Clippers get the number one pick that year and the Spurs get the number one pick the following year. But yeah. uh, again, if you're gonna lose lose the way the Spurs do, and you know you're going to the playoffs every year, and the years that you don't, you get Hall of Famers. <laughs> yes, yes. Like the and the thing for me with the process, you made a very good point. Tanking to get tanking in your end result to Jalil Logo for right, and the number one pick would have been Carl Towns. That would have made things really also, that much better. The one year they got the number one pick was Ben Simmons. Ben yes. Simmons is the result of the process. And by the right? way, that, the, the guy that everybody wanted and the guy that everybody would have taken under those circumstances, they got lucky in 2014 that they didn't win the lottery because I don't think they would have taken Embiid at one and Embiid turned out to be the guy. By the way, 2014 draft that we thought was full of franchise players actually going down is one of the worst first rounds that we have seen. But they got the right guy. Like the argument that you, the biggest argument against the process is that the process did in fact work. It did land the two potential superstars that they were going for. They did wind up with a chance for the third, you know, with Markel Fultz. And I don't blame them for what happened with Fultz because the problems with Fultz were not about evaluation, right? Like the problems with Fultz are about whatever the hell happened after he wound up there. But they did that. People say the process is cut off too short. No, sir. The process got them exactly what all that losing was supposed to get them. But they had a chance to take Giannis, and instead they took Michael Carter-Williams, right? Um, they didn't have to take Jaleel Logan for All the signs were there that that wasn't going to work. It happened anyway. Like, we can keep going. Remember, Dario Saric was supposed to be a thing. No, he wasn't. They didn't find nobody when they were running through all those players, even though Rashawn Holmes, Christian Wood, a couple other guys made stops. They didn't keep any of those guys. Like, they didn't make the other move to make that go. And the Spurs are just like, watch what's going to happen. We're going to be sorry, and then we're going to get slim. But my problem with them and slim is he is not Tim Duncan. He is not David Robinson. This boy going to be coming down there wearing flashy clothes. And <laughs> San Antonio's, we don't talk to the media, and we got to put up, uh, you know, he, he going to want more than HEB commercials. <laughs> and they better be ready for that. 
That's such a great point. The other thing is, as we celebrate the lot, you know, last night was a night we celebrated losers, right? In the, in the lottery picks and, and who, who gets to, to draft first. But then you look at the game and the best player on the court was a number 41 pick in Nikola Jokic. And that was a court with two number one overall picks on it in LeBron and Anthony Davis. You look at the best players in the uh, East and it's going to be Jason Tatum, who was what, number three pick? And yep. who got traded down for to to get picked at number three, and Jimmy Butler, late first round pick, Giannis, who you mentioned, um, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry. You, you look at the Warriors run built without a number one pick. They they traded for former number one overall pick Andrew Bogut, but the Warriors was built on Steph and Clay and Draymond. You know, none of whom was a number one overall pick. Yep. Uh, their own draft picks, but not number one picks. So. Really, the more proven way that the heat way is not relied on winning the lottery is relied on free agency. You know, the, the latest iterations of the Lakers is not relied on winning the lottery. They traded all their lottery picks that they had. Um, so when you look at franchise building, what's been more sustainable has been creating a winning culture and picking smartly, not necessarily picking, you know, having the top pick, but making the right pick at your slot. And yeah. we've seen over and over and over again. There are MVPs available later on in the draft if you know what you're doing, if in, you're smart, and you can see a little bit ahead. In a way, by the way, that they weren't available back in the day. Like there right, because there's a, so much international talent. Right, right. Like there was a time where that approach could work, but you could not find a Steph Curry at 7. You could not find a Paul George at 10, a Kawhi Leonard at 15, a Giannis at 15. I mean, we're not even getting to a Jokic at 41, right? Like, the days of we're going to get this guy at the top, unless it's somebody like this alien we talking about, Slim, I'm going to get this guy up top and everything <laughs> is going to change. The NBA is too deep for that at this point. Like, you're, you're just not going to find the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, even the Akeem Olajuwon. Like, that's not, it ain't going to go like that anymore. And that's what I've been saying for the longest time. If you go look at who has won these championships over this stretch of time, nobody's done it in these ways of tanking out to get dudes and the teams that we think of legendarily other than the thunder where Presty hit on five picks in a row, basically Kevin Durant, Jeff green, Russell Westbrook, Harden. James Harden, and Serge Ibaka. Like he nailed all of those in a row, but you look at what they're doing now. And as people talked about them tanking, they didn't tank their two best guys said, we want out of here at one time. And they're like, fine, just give us all the picks in the world. Right. And they've been looking for and seeking good players. And next year, they're going to be a problem. And then the Trop pick got hurt and missed the whole year. And they still almost made the playoffs. <laughs> yes, because they got Shea out of that trade with the Clippers. That was the one thing. Right. Like, look, we take all this stuff, but we got to have Shea. Next year, they going to be cold, cold, cold. They rookie of the year candidates on that roster this year. You know, and all these guys they brought in. Nah, they... That was not the same as the process where the plan was just lose, lose, lose. Just and we'll work the rest out after that. But for right now, we'll just lose. Can I get get in one last uh, magic oh, yeah. standing? <laughs> so I think you got to make the case that he's the greatest number one overall pick for value to the franchise that picked him. Right, yes. uh, LeBron is the best number one overall pick, or Kareem. You can have that to bar. But the best number one overall pick for that team was Magic Johnson. Five championships out of him as a number one pick. You know, you can't point to any other number one pick, number one overall pick. Because uh, I don't think Russell went. Did Russell go number one? I think he did. But he wasn't but, drafted by the Celtics. Yeah, he's drafted by the Hawks, and then he got traded for the right, ice capades. Right. Um, but let me ask this in that regard. 
does it matter that Kareem won a championship in year two for an expansion franchise in terms of value to the franchise? Yes, but not as much as five championships. And he won, what, probably four MVPs for them? Fair. Um, and one other thing about pinning all your hopes on, on a number one pick. So there's only six players who have won uh, MVP and championship for um, for the team that drafted them. Ooh, and that's- ooh, ooh, let me try. Let me try. Let me try. Let me all try. Right. Okay. Magic. Yeah. Elijah. Yep. Uh, wow, this got a lot harder. Tim Duncan. Yep. Dave Which leads Robinson. you to. Yep. Do, do, do. LeBron James. No, because oh, he won a championship oh, he, okay, as a free got agent. It, got it, got it. Okay, it's so a technicality. You're, taking, you're, not, right. you're not giving him that one. Yeah, I knew right. that was where this one was going to get uh, a little bit tricky, is in that one. Who we got? We already said Magic, right? Or am I, am I right. counting? Yeah, yeah. No, Magic's yep. five. It was, it was a comet. Yeah. It was, oh, Bill Walton. <laughs> yes, <laughs> good call. Yeah, so so it's exceptionally rare and maybe that's too much to I don't think that's too much to expect for a number one pick, right? I mean, that's the hope or the expectation that you get when you get a number one overall pick. But it's just so rare that that happens for the team. And especially in this era where, you know, people aren't inclined to spend their whole career with one team. Right. right? So I mean, what what would you put the odds on that Victor Wembanyama Wembanyama joins that list? Hey man. As Peter Tosh once said about himself compared to being in the whale is Jai did not put Ty on this earth to be a backup singer. God ain't put Victor Wimbayama <laughs> on this world to spend his whole life in San Antonio. I'm just saying, I'm just telling you right now, that ain't that ain't the lights that boy was meant for. Just 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 let Especially you know. Especially coming right from now. Paris. Like yeah. these other guys have come from Paris yeah. to San Antonio. He's coming, I mean Tony Parker did maybe, but but like he's coming from Paris to San yeah. Antonio. Look, Tony Parker was happy to be there. Big yeah. Vic going to get to San Antonio and be like I was when I went to Claremont. Like, bro, I thought this was L.A. He's going to say, stay too? <laughs> <laughs> like, woo! Le petit rive, c'est tout? <laughs> hey, man, that is J.N. Dante. Check him out on Around the Horn. He's up there doing great work at Northwestern, my man. I greatly appreciate you. Hey, great to finally be on, man. And ladies and gentlemen, remember, don't forget to get your tickets for the Right Time Live show with Dominique Foxworth, Gramercy Theater in New York City, Monday, June 5th, 7.30 Eastern. To get tickets, go to www.universe.com slash Bomani NYC. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Right Time. We do this three times a week. Dan Stancic and Parker Owens handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.